0: To this week's episode of Necromaniacs, uh, I got Jeff on the line. How's it going, Jeff? Hello. Good, man. How you doing? Doing okay. You know. I
1: All right. Know. Glad to hear it. My cats are freaking out in the background. I don't know. Like, it's a strange day here in in, in the uh, old Kashid home.
0: <laughs> well, we were having, having... some uh, some communications errors too, so maybe there's something going on.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. My phone keeps dropping uh, your calls for some reason. Maybe, maybe. The government doesn't want us talking about this movie. (laughs) Maybe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, So before we get going, I just want to shout everyone out. Of course, uh, I'm referring to the other horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. It's a collection of (laughs) like-minded individuals. And we all support each other. And of course, I'm talking about Horror Wolf 666, hosted by Brandon Legion. Into the Necrosphere by Jackie Smith. Wednesday is Everything Went Black, which is uh, my other podcast that I started way back in the dawn of time, and I still do it. Uh, That's happening. Thursday, of course, is Necro Thursday. Friday, Break the Apocalypse, which is uh, co-host Mike Scandato's brother's podcast that he does every week. And, of course, on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, Carl Hikara comes at you with Soul Knocks. I'm going to be Mm a guest on an upcoming episode. We're talking about a Robert E. Howard werewolf story, and I'll leave it at that. So how's it going, Jeff? It's going good.
1: Also want to point out I will be a guest on the Horror Wolf podcast in February. Excellent. Yeah, it's going good, man. I'm still doing my catch-up of 2002. Um, Missed a lot of movies.
0: 2002? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's been a while. I've been in
0: a coma. <laughs> You're like twenty-two years, twenty years behind, man. Twenty-one years.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a busy guy, now. Uh Yeah, twenty twenty-two. <laughs> oh, it's that kind of morning, man. Um. Anyway, uh. Yeah. Um. Usually, the first couple of weeks, I I try to catch up on things that I missed uh the year before. I've been doing a lot of that. I've been watching a lot of movies. A couple i well, uh, I wanted to point out. I also watched The Pale Blue Eye the other day. Yes. And I know you saw it, and I think you are going to talk about it, so I'll, I'll keep it brief. I liked
0: it. <laughs> Dude. I Yeah, me and Mike are going to do that one. Yeah, I saw it in the movie theater. I'm really excited about uh, presenting that to everybody. Hope, hopefully, you guys have all had a chance to see it, because now I think it's on Netflix. It is. That's how I saw it. Yeah and uh, definitely worth a watch it's not you know it's not perfect but uh
1: it's atmospheric it's well made and the kid playing poe is incredible i
0: i just watched this uh thing on the gq youtube channel with christian bale where he breaks down a lot of his iconic roles and he talks about uh that film as well as you know all of his other roles and how interesting yeah and how um I forgot the actor's name, but the, the guy who plays Poe, about how awesome he was to work with.
1: I can see that, yeah.
0: He's another uh, British uh, Harry Potter
1: actor. I guess he was in the Harry Potter movies. Because I'd never seen him before. Uh, or, no, that's not true. I saw him in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and that was the only thing I saw him in. So I looked it up, and I was like, oh, he's in those Harry Potter movies. that I've, I think I've seen a couple of them. But uh, some of those actors have really gone on to try to shed that image of like, you know, the, the kid actor or the, or the or the someone who's in a popular, you know, film series. And now he's playing Edgar Allan Poe, much like, you know, Robert Pattinson. He was in one of those movies. But, you know, of course, he's very well known for the Twilight movies. And then he goes off to do films with David Cronenberg and, you know, play Batman and work with the Safdie brothers <laughs>
0: I was just going to bring up uh, Robert Pattinson because on that same uh, GQ YouTube series, he he was on there as well talking about his iconic roles, and I I did not know that he was British, really. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I don't. You know, what the fuck do I know?
1: You know, I didn't know Christian Bale was British when I saw uh, American Psycho, and then I saw an interview with him, and I was like, "Fuck, that guy's British! Wow." <laughs>
0: I guess, uh, technically, he's Welsh, so... um,
1: Yeah, okay, so it's even kind of a wilder accent. Um, But Cushy Bale, such an intense dude, you know? I've seen that GQ, or some of that GQ interviews, I don't remember him talking about the pale blue eye. But I remember just, like, watching him just talk about his roles, thinking, like, this guy's
0: really intense. There there was that, I forgot what film it was. Maybe it was American Psycho where he was getting threatened by people. And uh, and his manager was like, you've been getting these threats. People have been following you on your walks that you take every day. And, uh, you know, someone noticed that you walk down this alleyway and they're going to follow you that, down this alleyway and, like, fuck you up. So you better not – you better take a different route. And Christian Bale was like – He's like, oh, of course I I didn't do anything differently. I'm like, bring it on, come and find me. You know, like, <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe he thinks he really is Batman or something.
0: <laughs> I bet I bet he's like similar to Tom Hardy. I bet he's a guy who could probably fucking handle himself. You know what I mean? He just seems like the guy who probably boxes or does something like that. You know?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he gained like an obscene amount of weight after uh, the machinist to, to
0: play Batman. So. He clearly knows how to take care of himself physically. Yeah, but there's a big difference between being muscular and knowing how to fight people. You know That's
1: what I mean? a good point. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm neither, so I don't know <laughs> what the fuck I'm talking about.
1: Uh, I uh, I also watched a movie uh, called The Menu. Um, it, it was high up on a lot of lists. I saw uh, not just horror fans, just you know, it regular end-of-the-year lists. So kind of got on my radar. I was like, I got to see this,
0: man. And I, I got to say, have you heard of this movie? Yeah, I think uh, we all discussed this on the text thread uh, over the last yeah. week or so. Yeah, I, I um, now that we've been talking about it and some other uh, people whose opinions I pay attention to, I think I might check it out.
1: Oh, so maybe I'll save my thoughts on it. Maybe we'll do an episode. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But I saw it, and all, all I can say is, hmm, I have some thoughts. <laughs> um, I also, non-horror, I uh, watched the uh, Sablemans, the new Spielberg movie. Yeah, and do Did you like it? I yeah. did. You know, it's Steven Spielberg. You, you got to watch what Steven Spielberg makes. You just do. If you're a fan of movies, it's Steven fucking Spielberg. And, uh, yeah, very good movie. And I also watched the movie we're about to discuss because that was uh, something I really, really wanted to see. And um, you know, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. What about you, Mike? You uh, you all caught up? You seen everything you want to see? Uh,
0: well, I'm getting there. Uh, you know, there was definitely a lot of stuff that I we missed last last year. And uh, I just wanted to uh, bring up that uh, on the Everything Went Black Patreon. Uh, so this, uh, Christopher contacted me and he said, what did you, what are your thoughts on you won't be alone? And I'm like, you know something? I haven't seen it yet. So I watched that movie last night and, uh, yeah, yeah. And I know that I think we talked about it too, a little bit. So that, that's something I just saw like 10 hours ago, maybe, you know?
1: Oh yeah. I was going to watch it last night, but something uh, of course went wrong. Everything's going wrong in my house. I had some internet trouble, so uh, I couldn't rent it. So I'm going to correct that tonight and and, uh, and watch that. Um, I read something about it that really made me want to see it. It said, imagine that Terrence Malick directed a horror movie. And I thought, well, I'm in. <laughs> you mentioned two of my favorite things, Terrence Malick and horror
0: movies. I could see that, yeah. It's uh, definitely within the realm of folk horror. And uh, there's, mm. after watching it, I'm going to have to do some research on this. You know what I mean? There is, there's a lot of kind of folk mythology. That's um, part of the story. And I want to make sure that, especially if we're going to talk about it, that I have some kind of background in uh, the particulars of the folklore that's uh, shown in the film. That's your whole thing, man. That's not my whole thing. I just enjoy that (laughs) kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, I know. (laughs) uh, I saw Ghostwatch, the uh, UK uh, you know that 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 aired in the '90s. It was it was like a um, presented as like a real uh, news oh. program about about some uh, supernatural, uh, paranormal goings on out in a council estate, and uh, fucking awesome. Yeah, really, really cool. Yeah, I, th- I think I think I uh, there's a documentary on on Shudder about
1: found footage movies, and I think that's the first time I heard of that.
0: Yeah, it's um, Shudder. I, I think it was on Shudder for a while, but I, I bought the uh. Blu-ray. And um, I think mm. it's uh, a Region A uh, disc. Ah, okay. okay. Yeah. so I have that. Uh, watched that a few days ago. And there's a tons of, ton of extras on there that I have to get through. But, yeah, it was pretty pretty killer, in my opinion. So, do you have a region-free Blu-ray player, or did you hack your Blu-ray player? No, I got a. I have an all-region player. Oh, okay. Because uh, back
1: in when I, I don't have a DVD player anymore. I use my PlayStation. Um, I uh, I found cheat codes online to hack your machine. Yeah. And uh, no longer works. So, but I've been wanting to get a region-free player because uh, you know a lot of a lot of stuff that comes out in uh, in overseas doesn't make it over here or it's not quite the same over here you know what i mean yeah
0: well i mean tech the technology that type of technology is so cheap these days because hardly anyone you know buys that kind of stuff anymore everything's streaming you know
1: that's true but at the same time i found like i,
0: I went to uh waterloo records the other day here in austin great record
1: store if you're traveling through you uh, really need to stop in there but they also have a really good movie section and i noticed the the the, the price of blu-rays are still kind of high or higher than i remember really well so, yeah well i think it's so few people buy it, it's like a niche thing you oh, know like yeah, uh there's yeah. they have a box set for uh the wicker man my favorite film of all time for a hundred bucks um i'm of course gonna buy it but you know part of reason, 100 bucks come on <laughs> you know
0: yeah. yeah i mean stuff like that like deluxe like box set type things you know here's 70 to 100 dollars you know that yeah, yeah, I could see. That. It's worth it.
1: It's my favorite movie. It's great packaging. It has every version of the movie you can think of, a documentary, um, and you know, it's, it's the greatest horror movie ever made. So worth it. Worth a hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, I saw uh, Lux Aeterna. I love Gaspar Noé. Um, that I, oh, yeah. oh,
1: where did it, you see that?
0: It's on Shutter. It is? It
1: certainly is. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. I think I had brain damage today. I don't know what's going to remember anything. It's got uh, um
0: Beatrice Dahl and Charlotte Gainsborger in it. You know, two of my favorites. Um Right. And the guy who gets jerked off in the beginning of Love, the American. He uh yeah. <laughs> he's, he's also playing an American in this film. So um He's not an American though. He's not? I thought yes, he is. Is that, he? The actor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh cuz I
1: know I saw him in in, in Devs uh, when I was back a few months ago when I was watching that show and I was, it's driving me nuts where do I know that guy from? He's a good guy. guy off. Yeah. Yeah, he he shows it all <laughs> in that movie. It's it's cool he can still get work after that. You know, a lot of places would probably look frown upon uh that that role but you know, good for
0: him. Yeah, but it's in, in Europe. It's different, you know what I mean?
1: It it is. It is. And he's yeah. in
0: primarily in European films, I think.
1: Right, yeah. Um, I haven't read much about that movie. Did you, you like
0: it? Um, did I like Luxaturna? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I did. Oh, the guy's name is Carl Glusman, and he, of course, born in New York City. Oh, okay. So, all right. I was so wrong. He, he looks like, like uh, you know, like a early two thousands dude you'd see like hanging out living in Williamsburg or like, uh, you know, hanging out in uh, Avenue A, like in that area, you know what I mean? Like by, gotcha. Brown, by uh, Brownies.
1: Oh, you know, yeah.
0: Like that that kind of thing, you know?
1: Yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Brownies yeah. was a great venue too. So it I was.
0: That, Avenue A in the late 90s and early 2000s, you know, that whole area was really cool to, to hang out in. You know, Sidewalk Cafe, like all that kind of stuff. It's all gone now. Yeah, you know. yeah.
1: I think a lot of what's cool about, uh, at least what I thought was cool about New York, isn't there anymore. Yeah.
0: One other thing, I've been on this big uh, Clint Eastwood uh, kick. <laughs> oh yeah? <laughs> yeah. So I watched uh, "Play Misty for Me" on Netflix.
1: Oh, you went way back.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that's that's an oldie but goodie. Uh, very very good movie. Uh, Clint playing a little bit of a different role than you're used to seeing him, but uh, still a really good film.
1: Oh, that's... Yeah. Uh, did he also direct that one or just act? He directed that, too. He directed it. Okay, yeah. And you per, know, Clint Eastwood was on a roll as a director for a while. He, he kind of lost the thread lately.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you can always stay relevant for so long, you know? Yeah, he's 90 years old. I mean, yeah. like, I, I don't think anyone would, would be like,
1: oh, you know, why did he retire? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, for anyone who likes reading out there, there's a new Adam Neville short story that was released uh, called Rise Up Together. And it's in a short story collection called Close to Midnight, which um, mm-hmm. also features a short story by Brian Keene, which is uh, – that's, uh, that's Scandato's guy. Brian Keene's excellent, it- but uh, Scandato yes. introduced me to Brian Keane And also uh, Ramsey Campbell for you uh, the great ramsey Campbell. yeah wow. yeah he, he's he got a story in there too so that's something to check out
1: he's a staple in those horror collections back in my uh touring days uh i would always bring along a volume of the best new horror they had one every year
0: did you ever get one of those yeah yeah those are killer man for
1: sure yeah yeah they're not around
0: anymore no
1: like you know you're gonna you gotta pay uh, a little extra money on amazon for those but yeah like uh Brian Keen, he was a kind of a regular in those, along with Ramsey Campbell and you know, Lagatti would pop up every now and again. Ted Klein, people like that. Those are those are always a, a good companion. You know? You've got 15, 20 minutes to kill, just read a quick story. Uh I, I, I love those horror anthologies and uh they used to be everywhere and now
0: not so much. I just got uh just showed up in mail, uh, the Ted Klein's novel Ceremonies, which is uh on deck right now i'm uh, mm. wrapping up a couple other books but that's going to be the next book i think i start reading nice i am going to read more in uh 2023
1: 2003 as i like to call it um uh, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my friend wrote a book last year and he still have not read it and uh, i feel like an asshole so i really
0: got to get on that are you talking about pete
1: yes yeah, yeah. uh the devil himself by peter Ferris. Uh, Great writer, uh, and I really owe it to him to uh,
0: to read his book. I read that book in one evening, actually. Did you?
1: I did that with his last
0: book, the uh, uh, Last Call for the Living, which yep. I, I blew right through it.
1: I was blown away. I was like, Jesus Christ! I can't. You're a good writer. <laughs> no, Pete's you know? great.
0: And a- anyone yeah. out there, this this uh, Pete doesn't necessarily write horror, but it's uh, it's uh, crime fiction, but very dark crime fiction. So if, um, yes. for you fans of maybe True Detective or something like that, definitely check out P. Farris' work. It's, um, it's really, really excellent, by the way.
1: Yeah, very good. The, 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 and I read a couple of story, short stories before. Tonight. He's a fantastic writer. I am going to read uh, The Devil Himself
0: this month, hopefully. <laughs> and just uh, looking ahead, today's Friday as we record this. I'm going to see Skin of Marink. Skinner Marink, however the hell you pronounce it.
1: Uh, don't even how Terrible. I can't pronounce the director's name of the movie we're about to
0: talk about. So, <laughs> um, in the, in the uh, theaters tonight. It's uh, yeah. You it. mentioned that. Yeah. And, uh, I guess it opens today, and you know, it's an AMC nearby here in Edison, and um, at the Menlo Park. If anyone wants to like, uh, you know, try to challenge me, I'll be there. To- <laughs> I'll be there tonight at ten o'clock at Menlo <laughs> Park uh, AMC. Uh, so you get to you get to pick your seat, right? So as of right now, I'm the only person in the theater. No, <laughs> oh, that's
1: I. That is the best, man. I I miss those days. The whole, entire time I lived in LA, I think that happened maybe once.
0: I mean, I would, you know, out here in the suburbs, a movie like that probably isn't on too many people's radar, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I'm I, surprised it's playing out there. Yeah, it's playing in all the AMCs. It's playing, you know, you go on there. I have the app, you know, and there's an AMC right, you know, really close. So I, I go there all the time to see movies. And uh, they they get pretty much all the cool, like, sort of off-center stuff as well as the big, uh, ho- you know, Hollywood studio films.
1: Now, do you ever get – I here's what I think is going to happen. You'll be the only one, and then, like, halfway through the previews, a couple people will filter in. And then 20 minutes into the movie, they'll they'll all be gone.
0: If, if uh, someone is not in the know about this movie and they just wander in or they bought it just to go out and, you know, check it out, I, I definitely uh, anticipate a high uh, walkout quotient, you know?
1: I, I remember going to see the Brotherhood Grimm, the Terry Gilliam movie, when I lived in Queens. And this guy sat in front of me with his girlfriend with like popcorn, soda, candy, and 20 minutes in, he's like, ooh, ooh, what the fuck is this movie? He was really upset and stormed out. And I thought, man, this guy just paid like 90 bucks
0: to sit through 20 minutes of a movie. I considered asking a, a lady to join me tonight, but this would be a weird one for a first date, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so like, <laughs> he just put it up there on, uh, you know, one
1: of those dating apps going to the movies tonight. He
0: wants to come? <laughs> uh, bro, I'm done. I'm, I had my fill of dating apps. I did it for like a, a month and it, uh, really did not pan out too well for me, man. I guess it panned out well for me. I
1: went on one date and, uh, it was five, five years later. We're living together in Texas. So I think it, I think it worked out okay for me, but, uh, yeah, no, I get you get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. It was of dark.
0: A, a fucking nightmare, man. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's leave it at that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that movie's going to be on Shutter relatively soon, um. So I'll be, I'll probably be watching it on Shutter because uh, uh, apparently I'm a shut-in. I don't go out and do anything anymore.
0: Well, let's get into it then, man. If, uh, all right, man. Let's do it. About. So we're we're um, today's episode is uh, Bones and all. Directed mm-hmm. by Luca Guadagn- Guadagnino. And uh, you might rec- recognize that name from the Suspiria remake. Mm hmm. Yeah. Screenplay was by David Kajanich. Kajanich. Um, sure. Yeah. Blood Creek and the excellent oh. TV series, The Terror, first season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, have you seen that? The the terror
1: i didn't but i remember someone i my one of the jobs i had in california my boss actually was talking my ear up about how great the first season was of that it's on a ship or something
0: yeah two two things about that actually real quick is this the series is great and it's based on a book this it's like one of these like uh i don't know like maybe five or six hundred pages long and it's uh the hmm. book is incredible you know it's like uh you know, stranded at sea, trapped in the ice, like weird fiction story. It's a mm, fucking okay. great, great book, and the series was awesome. The first season I didn't see. It. There's a second season that goes in a totally different direction, but I, I haven't seen yeah. it, the second season.
1: That was kind of becoming a trend, you know. Like every show was was like an anthology for for a while. It seemed like.
0: I'm not against that idea. I think that's a cool idea. You know, it just, no one's really pulled it off. Uh, well, you know, uh,
1: I had to think about that, but you're probably right.
0: I mean, I know true detective tried to do that to debatable, uh, results, you know?
1: Yes. Very, very hotly contested of is, is there a good season after season one, which, I uh, think they all have their, their, uh, pros and cons.
0: I agree with that. Yeah. So this is, uh, this Bones and All was released September 2nd, 2022, in uh, in Venice. And then November 18th, 2022, in the U.S. So this is last year's film. We did not get around to this movie. You know, shame on us. But we're yeah. talking about it now in uh, 2023. So what do you want? Absolutely. About? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 130 minutes. You know. Kind of kind of long, long. And I guess we'll talk about that, too. Sure. Yeah. And, um, oh, man, I failed to write this down. But I think it's based on, like, a young adult novel. Am I correct about that?
1: It is based on a book. Yeah. I'm not
0: sure if it's a
1: YA novel. Although, I certainly see elements of that in this movie. Although, like, this is the correct way to do that. This definitely isn't pandered to that audience
0: at all. Yeah. It's... It's a uh, pretty, uh, you know, pretty high-profile cast in this film. A lot of, uh, you know, there, there's like some very surprising cameo appearances by well-known actors in this movie.
1: Yeah, for sure. A lot of those, hey, I know, I recognize that guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? But the, uh, the the main stars are Taylor Russell as Marin. And uh, how the fuck? Timothy Charlemel. Chalamet, uh, Chalamet 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 something Lee like that Chalamet as Lee um, and you'll uh, you'll reckon recognize him as the Muad'Dib from uh Dune the Dune film yeah he's uh sort of the hot young
1: actor of of the moment so, or the know, maybe that's not different but the interesting uh, young
0: actor I think um, he's, he, he's great I I really enjoy his work so far I've only seen him in these two things you know
1: uh yeah i've seen him. he popped up in uh, i think a wes anderson movie uh i've seen him. i've seen him in a bunch of stuff he, he, he definitely picks interesting roles and seems to be maybe more director oriented yeah. um which is good you know for someone so young this guy's probably like what 24 25 the most
0: yeah the dude should, should probably eat a steak or something like that though he's like <laughs> he, kid, he looks like a skeleton this guy you know what i mean he does um and mark rylance as sully the great mark rylance yep uh yeah we got some appearances of uh chloe seven seven as janelle mm-hmm. david gordon green as brad yeah did you catch him in there yeah yeah
1: i did well it was driving me nuts i'm like who is that and i looked it up i was like oh fuck of course it's david gordon green
0: yeah uh yeah you know it's it's uh it really well done I thought this film you know yeah
1: the the first thing I wanted to talk talk about with you about this movie is
0: is this a horror movie I mean what what are your thoughts about that well okay I I have I considered that I'm gonna say yes okay Mm -hmm. because there are definitely some fanciful elements to this you know and um if Silence of the Lambs can be considered a horror movie, and I know that that was under hot debate in the '90s. If you can, uh, yeah, if I would, you consider yeah. that a horror film, which you, you know I think by this by now most people do, then you can yeah. you can consider Bones and All as a horror film.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. I have a sort of a broader definition of horror than a lot of people. Now, I don't think the intention of the filmmaker was to make a horror movie. I also feel the same about his Suspiria remake. I I think that scaring and shocking uh, an audience is not really in the forefront of his mind when he made his his last two movies. Um, This is very much a road movie, um, but revolves around a subject that is kind of revolting and horrific. So in my mind, it definitely counts as a horror movie
0: yeah and also but there's there's um if it was only about these two fine young cannibals out there eating people then you know that you go further into the the uh debate as to whether or not it's a horror film but the fact that there is these other elements these other people out there that have a similar quirk that is not just mm. some like you know uh little kink they have what they like to do like there's something some condition that exists that's passed on possibly through genetics that lead people to this uh this life you know what i mean right yeah and uh i should point out the word cannibal at least i don't think was ever mentioned once in this movie was it no, but we're not talking about zombies versus ghouls versus uh, right you know, walkers. Like they're clearly cannibals because they're eating human flesh. So yeah,
1: right. I just thought it was an interesting choice that think they, they, they never really met. It's sort of like when you watch The Sopranos they never say the Monty, I just say this thing of you know, uh, right. it's sort of similar to in, in this movie when it never like hey we're cannibals. They just say our. You know, what we are, like uh, our condition, our thing, you know, they never they never call it by name, which, uh, you know, I,
0: that was a, a, a nice touch. Yeah, definitely, you know. And, but the thing is, though, it's, you could easily substitute like some take on vampirism instead of the uh, flesh eating. You know what I'm trying to say? Sure. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. There, there is that kind of outsider, uh, borderline like romanticism uh angle that this movie plays on which sure you know there have been different iterations of uh vampire stories that play on those same notes you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely but uh, what's interesting about them is
1: it's, it's they're very relatable normal people with this quote unquote condition like they show them eating regular food, so they can live normal lives. It's some sort of compulsion that uh, that that they can't. Uh, they just they don't really have any sort of control over.
0: But there is this uncanny way in which that they uh, they can identify themselves out in the, out in the wild. Like they can smell like another eater. You know what I mean. Yeah, exactly, and that that kind of brings an almost
1: supernatural element to the movie. It's it's not in the forefront, but it's there, and uh, it it's not something you they that they really can they like, just sort of, you know, you don't see Marin learning this. She just sort of develops it over time. You know, it's just a part of what they are. I thought that was very very cool.
0: Yeah, you know, and also I think I heard an interview. Um... I'm not sure if it w- if it was with the director or someone else. I think it was. It might have been actually on Evolutional Horror, like uh, that other podcast that I like. It's um, someone says that oh, this isn't a horror movie, but I'm like, I'm like, it is because you have these supernatural elements in it, you know, and yeah, there's a, there are definitely horror set pieces in this film too. It gets it's actually pretty brutal at times.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah it almost sort of reminds you that you're watching a horror movie. You're watching a movie about people who eat you. Because, I mean, like I said, it's not really the focus of the movie. There's these long stretches of these two people falling in love, and it's a road movie, so you see them going, meeting all these different quirky people. Uh, And then it's sort of punctuated by brutal, swift, horrific violence.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, In in, in some ways, it's... um... It's kind of a cop out, I think, when people in in 2023 or 2022 whenever you know if you want to say at the time this film was made it's a cop out in this modern day environment to say that a horror film was not a horror film you know what I mean because even though I think you you mentioned that <clears throat> the intention of this movie wasn't necessarily to horrify but to tell this story, but there are very horrific elements of this story and there's supernatural elements. So to me that defines it as a horror film.
1: Sure. And like I said, I have a much brought. like to me, David Lynch probably doesn't consider himself a horror filmmaker, but I would very much put Lost Highway and Malin Drive into the horror category. They are nightmares and therefore nightmares are
0: horrific. Therefore they're horror movies. Yeah. Eraserhead, you know, I put that in there Eraserhead. too. Eraserhead. You know, uh, an enemy. Yeah, yep, no, enemy. Yeah,
1: yep. I mean that that's that to me, like some people say that's a stretch to call it a horror movie, but not not to me it's not.
0: Yeah, so so this uh, this is a horror movie. But it's like you're saying, it's it's a road movie. Um, you know, Marin is living with her single father, and uh we learn that she has a mother out there. You know, the, the kind of motivation of this movie is uh, Marin wants to connect with her her mother after her dad pretty much abandons her. You know, it was the opening scene is Marin is at this sleepover with these other young ladies. And uh, it looks like there's there might be some uh, romantic activity between her and another young lady. But instead, you know, she fucking bites her finger basically off.
1: Yeah, it is a very horrific scene. Um, I guess in, in some way I knew the plot of the movie, so I was expecting something to happen, but it was it was truly shocking just how graphic and disturbing
0: it was. And, I guess yeah, th- and that's that's the whole thing about this. Oh, it's not a horror film, you know. I mean, then then you could say that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not a horror film either, then because there's no, you know what I mean, like it's just a bunch of violent rednecks, you know. So this is yeah, like, you know. I, I don't know that stuff bothers me in this day and age where it's like oh it's not a horror movie you know but it is yeah first scene
1: um, oh absolutely and and the scene is shocking and horrific and uh, I definitely and my, my my girlfriend who I watched this was definitely re- recoiled watching it wow it, it went further than I I was expecting it was pretty graphic um, but that's sort of what kicks off the whole movie you see that her father has really been protecting her from herself her whole life. Um, You know, like he locks her in at night. Uh, You know, they seem to be living this sort of vagabond life. They're living in like this, and it's sort of the theme in the movie. If you notice like every place they go to is very dumpy and trashy. Temporary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're living this sort of temporary existence. And um, I think, quite catch why the father left he's just not that he had it he, he's had enough but he he couldn't help her anymore i guess is what i gathered i
0: i got that feeling that it was yeah that he there's not much more i can do for you you know he's figuring that she's uh you know 18 years old and now it's time yeah. for her to go out on her own and figure it out and then what he does though is he leaves her a series of cassette tapes which kind of give her, give us as well as her, her background, which I thought was a really yeah, interesting I, way to do that.
1: I, I, yeah, no, I, I, I thought the exact same thing. Uh, this movie needs a, some exposition here and there, Some, um, this was a clever way to get that across and very, very natural, it didn't bother me at all. Um, one thing that bugged me uh, about a different movie, you guys are going to tell, Pale Blue Eyes, the opening was like exposition uh, being read uh, to, to, from one character to another. And I thought, well, this, this would never happen. You don't read someone's credentials to themselves. Like it, it, it rang very false to me in a movie that I otherwise really uh, enjoyed. But here, very, very natural. Like, oh, he's got to t- he comes becomes the de facto narrator of the
0: movie. And this film takes place in the 80s too if i'm correct right yeah
1: i don't think it ever mentioned when it takes place but uh from the way they were dressed you know she's wearing a walkman with a uh you know the cassettes that her father left her with those foamy earphones (laughs) earphones something from the 80s so yeah and judging from the music they were listening to which is not a huge part of the movie but certainly adds to the atmosphere of the movie I I would guess it was the eighties
0: for sure. Yeah, that's it's so it's like a period piece for the you know similar to you know other. Yeah, and
1: I was trying to think: is there a reason to set it in the eighties other than
0: uh, it looks cool? Well, I think maybe um, to give it that sense of isolation too, because like nowadays with like mobile technology, yeah, you know, now if you remember, even even throughout the nineties. Like when you're traveling you know like before mobile phones you really mm. do detach from any kind of reality and you create your own reality like back in those days you know like yeah back before there were mo- mobile phones you can fucking lose yourself you know you can get lost and not have anyone know where you are or get in touch with you and disconnect from everything and that's why i think that was Possibly part of the decision making to put it back in the '80s before mobile technology.
1: Yeah, I thought the same thing. Uh, it was easier to sort of do what they're doing back then. Uh, whereas if you said it now, everyone's got cell phones. Uh, you know, uh, someone goes missing; uh, it's it's a lot easier to, to find out, trace them, things like that. So, yeah, and they're sort of living this uh you know drifter existence and yeah like you said in a time when that was much more possible you could be under there you could kill someone and take their car and drive it across the
0: country yeah exactly because now you know back nowadays like with you know gps and you know you could never really get away with that kind of stuff people would find you out pretty quickly yeah exactly so yeah i i
1: was thinking the same the
0: same thing um
1: But uh, it's not some sort of comment on the eighties or anything like that. Like American Psycho is very much a comment on the Reagan era, capitalism, uh, all that stuff. But this is just, yeah, exactly a little bit, a little bit of atmosphere. I thought, and it worked really well.
0: Well, the the one thing that this movie is kind of a commentary on is, uh, you know, the outsider uh, standpoint in society. You know, Um, yeah, because there's there's some like uh sexually um fluid aspects to this film uh, oh certainly yeah. you know Maron. you know is gonna make out with another young lady and uh even lee though he and Maron fall in love is uh you know kind of a hustler too like other men you know yeah and, um you know, yeah sorry, go ahead go ahead what were you gonna say no no,
1: no 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 finish your thought
0: you know and even his appearance you know he has like this kind of um You know, like, you know, the colored hair and he's clearly putting himself on the outside of normal society. You know what I mean? Which Mm. is like, you know, that's a big topic these days. You know, people empowering themselves and all that. And in the 80s, that Mm. was like really a statement, like a very big departure. It was way harder to live in that atmosphere than it is now. You know? Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, being different
1: back then was uh, a bit of a scarlet letter, whereas now it's just sort of the norm. Not to mean it's completely accepted, but it's a lot more widespread than it was back then, for sure. If you were, um, you know, into, into like any sort of counterculture, if you were gay, you know, it wasn't, uh, you, you, I don't think it was a time where you could wear it on your sleeve as much. At least that's my recollection
0: of it. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's for for sure the truth about that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's a scene in this movie between Maren and Lee in the truck. And when she realizes that that he is like her and that she's not alone. And because she said, oh, I, I thought I was the only one. And it's—I think it's a big—it's it's a big metaphor for just exactly what we're talking about when you meet someone and then you realize you're
0: not alone. Well, she she uh, met Sully, who was like a, yes. another shade of what they are, but like way sketchier and darker. You know what I mean? Like he's like exactly like predatory, like Sully- older man. You know. Sully so is like
1: them, but he also is not like them. Which, um, yeah. yeah, he is a predator and and creepy. And man, what, what a great performance by uh, by Mark Rylance. And he fucking sells this role perfectly. I mean, you get one look at this fucking guy, and you know like, he's dressed like he's sort of like a, like a cross between like a homeless guy and a fisherman. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, totally, man. The little like toothpick case was a really nice touch. I thought, you know, uh, the hair rope, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the, the hair rope, just the braided hair, and you know, uh, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure where this movie was going. I, 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 you know, you think, oh, she met this weird guy, and there's that, but but Sully becomes a a, a presence sort of throughout the whole movie.
0: Yeah, and apparently. Uh, Rylance stating character during the entire filming of this uh, this production. Oh, of course he did. So everyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Can you imagine going to craft service and that guy
1: sitting next to you?
0: <laughs> like, there's that one line where he's like, it's never Dully with Sully. <laughs> yeah.
1: And he refers to himself in the third person. <laughs>
0: That's always a good That's, touch, man. To refer to yourself the third person all the time—that's <laughs> y- yeah, exactly. Like, just just real like,
1: like little little things he does really like just sells this character and tells you everything you know want to know about this guy before he even opens his mouth. Like it's it's an incredible performance. Uh, I hope like maybe it'll get some recognition, some award recognition. I doubt it, but it
0: it should. Now, let me ask you uh, a question. Was your impression that most of these eaters were like him or like uh, Maren and Lee? Well, okay. That's an interesting thing you bring up because you do meet
1: a few more readers. Um, At one point, uh, uh, they're at a swimming hole, and, and and Lee, and they get confronted by a pair of, well, a pair of eaters you think at first. But then you realize uh, just one is a true eater and one is sort of an interloper,
0: a group eater uh, of sorts. Yeah. And And, and that's I got the impression they
1: they were not good people.
0: No, hell no, because they they fucking bailed. Like there was this whole nighttime thing where they, they, they rolled out. They were just like, fuck these guys and they peaced out. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I wanted to mention that scene because like it, they don't really, out, they don't threaten them in any way. They just give off this vibe that the, the lead characters pick up on.
0: And once again, here's like the um, comparison, similarity to like the vampire, you know, folklore. Because you got the true vampire, then you'll have like some, uh, you know, like a Renfield or something like that. You know what I mean? And that's kind of yeah. what this the guy's sidekick wasn't truly an eater he was just like you said a groupie for these guys and but he'd actually partaken of human flesh as well
1: yes and he tells the story well not the uh not david gordon green's character michael schoenberg's uh character who has appeared in every movie you've seen in the last five years he's a great actor yeah um he gives us the title he's talking about feeding and is it have you ever eaten anyone bones and all and uh yeah nice 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 touch there uh yeah he's she's there's something very sinister about this character without ever saying anything threatening to them he's very like inviting offers them to drink beer wants to hang out but uh marin seems to catch it right away that something's very off about these two
0: yeah so so there's no real code among the eaters You know, I mean, I think Sully says something about we don't eat each other, but that might be just his fucking take on it. You know what I mean? That's what
1: I thought. I think he says, I don't anyway. Like it it also implying that maybe others do. They they don't seem to band together. They're all sort of loners and sort of think they're the only ones like, um, you know, like he this guy probably took David Gordon Green on just because he was lonely. And thought, I'm the only one like this, so I'm gonna turn this guy to something like me. And you can see his long as it is because when they bail, he runs kind of runs after him, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. And uh What oh, well, sorry, what are you gonna what was the question? I, I was gonna say we're talking about all these eaters. What did you think about the
1: character of Lee? Now we're clearly supposed to like Lee. He's the male lead, but
0: Lee is a murderer. Well You probably know guys like Lee. You know what I mean. It's murderers. Well, no. If you take the murderer aspect out of it, you know. I mean, you you've uh, you probably had a similar lifestyle uh, as me when I was younger. You know, or we were both younger, or when I was younger, or whatever. You know, he reminds me of these dudes that I met a bunch of people out west when I was like in my early twenties that were. you know, they rode trains and, uh, you know, one guy had a hat, you know, and they Shh. slept in, a, uh, in like a a storage unit and they were kind of on the periphery. They were living this kind of Jack Kerouac, you know, like lifestyle. You know what I mean? They're the travel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there's I don't even think this is a thing these days, but there was like maybe in the 90s there was like these these punks who were travelers. You know, they'd you'd see him like get you know they'd they'd hop trains and they'd busk, you know, and and, um, absolutely, you know, hustle, change things like that. You know, yeah, there was that zine in the '90s, early
1: '90s, Comic Bus. Yes. Uh, Yep. Yeah, and that guy was basically living that sort of lifestyle, and uh, a lot of punk kids sort of romanticized it. and they were all rich kids, so they always knew they could go back and, you know, live at their parents' house after they pretended to be homeless for, like, six months.
0: Well, well I'm, I'm thinking specifically of this group of people that I met. There's these kids from Utah. And um, mm. this is when I was living in Bellingham, Washington. I lived there for, like, a year. And uh, this mm. is, like, before I met you guys, like, you know, a couple of years before that. And, you know, they, they lived in a storage unit. There was always the one guy out of all the rich kids where it was real for him. You know, like he had like a broken home or something and he was running away from something. He didn't have that safety net like the other people did. And that's what That's the character. That's immediately what I picked up on Lee. Lee was like the one guy out of the group of those, like, uh, you know, train hopping, Kerouac style punks where, and, he wasn't a bad guy, but there was just something not trust trustworthy about him. You know what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And, uh, well, right away we're introduced to Lee. I, I think Lee thinks of himself, um, I think that is maybe a little self-righteous. Like yeah. he chooses the first person you see him eat. Well, you see that guy being a fucking redneck asshole to a lady in the grocery store. So uh, Lee decides to eat him, but also Lee is the same kind of guy who seems like he would eat that lady in the grocery store. Sure, you know what I mean, like because we see another victim, like he sort of hustles this guy, yeah, uh, into tricking, like him and this guy are going to hook up, and they do, and then Lee kills him,
0: and 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 it's yeah, it turns out that he has a family, and he was yeah, you know, it wasn't like this um, inconsequential. Murder, you know, it was like this guy. Not only did you kill him, but you fucked up the rest of his family and his kids and everything, you know. And that's that kind of gives like a dose of reality to the fantasy world that Lee might be living in. Yeah, it, it,
1: exactly. I think uh Lee wants to be comfortable with what he is, but I don't think he's certainly more in his skin than Marin is. Like, I really think this this movie is 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 clearly Marin's journey into. Um, going, going through this because uh, you see her how how uncomfortable all of this stuff makes her. She's clearly more upset about him having a family, this guy having a family, than Lee is. Lee is sort of like, oh, you know, we didn't know. It probably bothers him, but it doesn't bother him that much. But it really bothers Marin. Um, Marin is fighting the inevitable. You know what she's going to become. You know that she's going to be, you know, a, a person who eats other living people <laughs> and but she she's not quite comfortable with it yet at this point in the movie
0: one other thing i wanted to bring up about eating people uh and whether or not there's some other kind of supernatural like element to this thing now you know over the years uh, you know i guess like the zombie craze has kind of come and gone ran its course maybe but but there was a lot of, a period of time where everyone was like really into zombies and myself included. And that was like one of my favorite subgenres. So the idea, sure. the concept of the human, human teeth being completely inadequate for eating human flesh came up raw. Like, mm-hmm. so for in order for these eaters to be able to tear into raw human flesh, they would actually have to have some pretty, uh, you know, jacked up uh, teeth and jaws, you know. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It, it never shows them transform
1: or anything like that. Like, they're not they, or, or focus on their
0: teeth at all. No. You know, and so, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's like, but also it's like maybe, you know, once again, there's, this is like some kind of condition that they have. So maybe this is like another step in like some offshoot of human evolution or whatever that is allowing these people to eat raw human flesh right yeah exactly and uh i think we learn
1: later in the movie that this is something that seems to be passed down right uh because you know like i said this is really a road trip movie they go through several different states to get to uh it was in minnesota to see Marin's they find Marin's grandmother uh hoping to find out some answers about Marin's mother and, um, you know, you, she's the, the grandmother doesn't want really anything to do with Marin And that's obvious from the very first second. And uh, I sort of, they sort of hinted at they didn't approve of their mother, uh, of Marin's mother marrying uh, a black man. I, yeah. Did you? Yep. I, I mean, Maybe I was looking into that too much. But that's no, what I, it I picked up like on that.
0: Me. You know, that was okay. definitely, you know, th- th- once again, there's like some social like, commentary going on here and all that sort of stuff.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and you know, she, they, they knew what Marin's mother was and, and kind of uh, not abandoned her, but like, sort of let like, um, you know, she, she, the mother's in the hospital in a mental institution and they seem perfectly content with her staying there. Like they want nothing to do with Marin's mom.
0: <laughs> this is when we see, uh, a shocking (laughs) portrayal of her by Chloe Savigny. Yeah.
1: uh, Chloe Savigny is a great actress and shows you can do so much with. Did she even say one word (laughs) in in her scene?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I I seem to remember there there was some dialogue with her. But it might have been, been a voiceover or something like that.
1: Yeah, you're right. It was a voiceover. You're right. Um, but it is very shocking, and you see that you know, yeah, uh, she's got no arms basically. And yeah, she's, uh, she's great
0: you know, in this role, definitely.
1: Yeah, I I, I want to point out the acting in this across the board is fantastic.
0: I have to agree. Uh, it it's a, like I said, man, it's a, a fucking tight, you know, very technically sound movie for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, most people get, you know, a, a few moments in the movie. Like, you have, you know, a big actress like Chloe Sevigny, and she's in the movie for five minutes. And you get uh, the, the guy playing Sully, and you think he's just going to be one and done, but he keeps popping up here and there throughout the movie. Well,
0: let's also talk about uh, his hair rope that he has, which is fucking disgusting, if you ask me, man. Yeah. And that's when you kind of get the vibe
1: that like Sully is more than a feeder or an eater, whatever they're calling. He's a serial killer. Yeah. This is part of his process that he has to do. You know, he takes trophies. He takes pieces of their hair, which is, I mean, that's serial killer 101 <laughs> as far as I know.
0: Yeah, totally. And, and uh it's, you see this rope <laughs> of just, I, can you imagine what the thing smells like? I was thinking that exact same
1: thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, when he shows up later in the movie and he's in a van, I thought, of course he's in a van. And you can almost imagine what that fucking van
0: smells like. And, uh, and that's why I love that. He, he looks yeah. like he oh, smells God, yeah. too, man. You know?
1: <laughs> I like that every time you see him, he has three scenes in the movie, and every time you see him, he's dressed sort of differently. Uh, you know, he's got a van with someone else's name, like, you know, like Don's like, uh, you know, the uh, fucking fixture removal. I don't know. Like, it's clearly not his van. <laughs> and it's so creepy because at this point in the movie, you've kind of forgotten about Sully. You're like, oh, he's at the beginning of the movie and he, he learned like he's just been following these two kids for, for weeks or months, actually. And that which also leads leads to your point uh, about the supernatural element that, like, okay, most of these people can't smell them that far away. But this guy seems to have some sort of superhuman ability to sense all the people like him.
0: Well, yeah, they, they, yeah, exactly. I mean, they talk about how they smelled each other and, you know, and I I can't, I can't smell people, you know, unless. uh, Yeah, unless they stink. Unless they stink, you know. I could probably smell yeah. Sully if I saw him out on the street somewhere. Though.
1: I I I have a feeling you could. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um there's one like weird moment. I, I don't even know like why I rewinded it a few times. It seemed like the actor playing Sully forgot his line and he leans against the van and then finishes his line. I was like, I wonder if there's someone in the van like speeding his lines to him.
0: <laughs> I mean, I didn't catch that, but it's pretty brilliant if that's actually what happened and they left it in because it just makes adds to the the, the oddness of that character.
1: Yeah, because so he goes, I like, and then he like leans his head on the vein and comes and goes, I like our
0: talks together.
1: It was like, wow, did, did he forget a line if they just left it in because it looked, it, it worked? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I love little moments like that in movies that <laughs> like those accidents that work so well.
0: Now, big, I don't know that's question, what it was, but big question is why do you think he's obsessed with with Marin? Is it sexual? Does he want to eat her? Like what? What? What is it? Why?
1: That is a really good question, and I couldn't get a read on that. I think Sully does have a code that he won't eat anyone like him, and I think he needs Marin and that sort of. Uh, fractures his mind in a way like he doesn't really know what to do about this um maybe he's lying about not eating maybe this is all part of his process i honestly at the end of the movie i don't know if he wanted to kill her or capture her and maybe brainwash her make make her more like him i don't know what his intentions were it's an
0: interesting question. What, what yeah. do you think? Well, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on it too, you know, and and um you know, the w- the way he's even introduced in the film is like super creepy, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's you know, she's uh in the in the beginning, she you know, she's on her own, she's at a bus station, she's like, you know, bunking on a uh, a, a a bench outside the the bus station, I guess, where she's reading mm like lord of the rings or something you know a tolkien novel and uh this guy just fucking rolls up and you know and he's like i smelled you from across you know it's like you he's got that whistle and is like he's oh, a, I'll, I'll smell i smelled you. you from blocks away you know and i was like oh, my, i'd fucking run man as soon as i saw that guy i'd get the fuck out of there yeah he is instantly
1: so off-putting
0: like, but you know what, it, man? It, it, it's like you've been into all, all these fucking towns that these people are in. You've been through those towns before. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I tra- I traveled by Greyhound bus from yeah. Boston to,
0: to the south, and it's, yeah, you meet people like that. Of you, course, you do. You know, and and it's like that's so it, that that's what I really enjoyed about this movie is just the weirdness of the shit that's out there in the world that's not even supernatural. You know?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, I love these kind of movies where you sort of people are sort of uh, you know drifting around and strange people that they meet that uh, like they, maybe they'll come back later, maybe they won't. Like I, I really thought them killing the uh, the carnival worker was going to come back, but it doesn't.
0: And that and that's some 1980s shit right there because like in this day and age, that would be all over like the, the internet, you know, like that would be like you know, uh, you know whatever oh, yeah. thirty year old. Gay man found eviscerated in the cornfield. You know,
1: it would be yeah, yeah. anywhere.
0: Then there'd be like some right wing conspiracy about it, and uh, you know, Donald, Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump would like put something on Truth Social about how anti killed this guy and stuff. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. made it look. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the point. Biden, the Biden administration was behind <laughs> somehow. Yeah
1: I told you they're eating children, they're eating babies. The yeah, it'd be a they're a QAnon. they're eating them. <laughs> yeah, some nonsense like that. Right.
0: Yeah. But, but back Absolutely. in the eighties, people would just fucking disappear, man. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, totally. And that that yeah, that, that enables our, our characters to sort of drift through these different places. You know, they're taking wallets, they're taking IDs, they're taking people's monies and cars. Like you wonder if if any like by the time our, our, our two lovers decide to settle down in Michigan and try to live a normal life. Are they living under assumed names or, or like, what are they doing? At one point you see Marin going to the movies. She's still reading her books. Um, I thought at one point it looked like she was coming from school. Like, oh, she, she, she's attending school now. Uh, is she under someone? Did she kill someone and take their ID? You know, you, you kind of wonder about these things watching this.
0: Yeah. And, um, I, back then it seems like you probably could just like have a, a, you know, assume someone else's identity, like a lot easier, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I did want to talk about the ending a little.
1: And if you thought it was some romantic, hopeful ending or dark, <laughs> um, what were your thoughts on the ending?
0: I thought it was kind of dark actually. I don't, think that things really ended up too well for for Marin. that's yes um i thought the same
1: thing i thought um i think at that point she's made like the full transformation into uh what what she is she can't fight it anymore and the future does not look bright for her this uh drifter lifestyle uh, this 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 thing that consumes her it's going to be something that that persists till she dies and
0: yeah, exactly
1: yeah yeah I, I found it to be a very downbeat dour ending myself uh, and uh, I, I you know I like the little flashback that it ends on uh, I thought that was a nice touch uh, I think my only complaint about this movie would be it's paced wonderfully until we get to Michigan, until they decide to live normal lives. And then, like, boom, the movie's basically over 10 minutes later, maybe 15. Um, uh, I, I thought the rest of the movie is paced perfectly. And then it's just sort of like, oh, that's it? It's over?
0: It, yeah.
1: it, it, I found the ending a little abrupt.
0: I agree, and and it would have been cool if they were able to like give you the sense that a lot of time had passed, like while they were in Michigan, you know.
1: Yeah, I, they mentioned it's been months, and you see different differences in in Marin, like her hair is different. She looks more like a grown woman as opposed to a teenager. So, I'm assuming it's been it's been a while. I, I get the sense of a passage of time, but. You know, the movie's already two and a half hours. What's an extra, I don't know, uh, ten minutes maybe. Um, this director has a way of, of about him. He made a movie called Call Me By Your Name that was even longer. And I swear I didn't want that movie to end. He just has this knack of, like, you just getting drawn into this, this, this environment he creates in these characters. And the same thing with this movie. When it ended, I well, I, I can easily, like, go on for, you know – a two and a half hour
0: movie, you know. I could I could have dug that for sure. You know, I think that would have been. Yeah. I could have went for a little bit longer on this one. Um, also, another thing, another subplot is like just addiction too, and I guess it goes hand mm. in hand with like the outsider perspective. And we were talking about uh, traveler punks and just that kind of rough and tumble world of like the comet bus experience, you know. Yeah. Uh, they the when i was watching them settled in michigan where they were living this uh you know relatively normal life you know of course things inevitably go to shit you know? yeah now that is the story of an addict to some extent too you know where hmm. where i mean you yeah. know you you you, you know we and i both know people who have had problems with drugs and alcohol and You know, I'm thinking of uh, a specific person who's struggled with it their entire life, and they've had sometimes years of things going really well, and then it just gets fucked up, and they leave town abruptly or something like that, you know? Absolutely, yeah. You know, and and that that felt, at least to me, that was like this kind of overarching, self-destructive, addictive kind of thing in the movie.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think you could take this as a, a metaphor for a lot of things. Some people, uh, you know, it looked a little bit like thought it was like you could look at it as a metaphor for coming out as gay or or like more like we're talking about being regular society outsiders, you know, punks and what have you. Or like you just said, like addiction, like there, there there's a lot, to, a lot to think about. There's a lot going on in this movie that yeah. uh, just beyond the plot. And it just adds to um, overall what I thought was a pretty amazing movie.
0: You know, and also speaking to what you what you just you just said, it doesn't beat you over the head with it either. You know, where it's like no, you, no. Even yeah, even if absolutely. you have like the coming out as being gay, um, you know, both characters, Lee and Marin, have like you know they have like fluid sexuality and some to some extent you know more so i would say lee who we actually see you know kind of doing yeah um but he's not like this flamboyantly gay character you know like it's not no overdone or overbearing like he's like a guy who's just like okay you know whatever's clever you know
1: yeah yeah
0: exactly
1: um yeah and yeah i uh this is a smart movie too. Like it, yeah. Like you said, nothing beats you over the head. You can sort of take these scenes and then take them at face value, or you can think of, about it about in a broader sense. It's not like the Candyman remake where like be, this bad, this good, this bad. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah it is without a subtle bone in its body. I just, I I can't stand that in any aspect Um, or like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, (laughs) you know, it is not a subtle bone in that movie at all. It just beats you over the head with, I I don't even think the movie knows what it's trying to say. Like, uh, are these woke kids annoying or are they the hero? Or is this redneck a a piece of shit or is he the hero? You know what I mean? Like the movie couldn't even understand its own, (laughs) what it was trying to say. Um, but that, that just shows the difference in a good filmmaker and a, and a bad one. Exactly. And uh, this director clearly has a great command of uh, yes. themes, of characters, of atmosphere. I, like I said, I didn't want this movie to end. I wanted it to keep going. And um, at the end of the, the the day, what would you give us? At a, what are we talking here?
0: You know, I'm ha- I had a harder time than I thought I would with this you know cuz um all right now objectively on a purely uh, on a purely objective sense i'm going to give this a 4.5 mm-hmm. all right now if you take my personality out of it completely you know because uh intellectually i think it's a 4.5 like it it's a incredibly well acted movie uh for for 99% of it i think it's like well written you know mm mm-hmm. mhm um, cool story, you know, but I guess like uh, I would be slightly below 4.5 on the other side of my personality if I put my personality into this thing because like kind of like the uh, the S.E. Hinton YA aspect of it that I picked up on did not quite mm-hmm. resonate with me. So, but you know, mm-hmm. non- nonetheless, that's just like a real – you know, picky personal kind of, uh, you know, flavor that I have for this thing. Okay. So somewhere between a four and a 4.5 is basically what what, what you're saying. I'm going to go on record and say 4.5 though.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to go five. Really? I, yeah. Wow. Uh, I love this movie. A few nitpicks here and there, but, um, your, your brain has a way of editing those things out when you think about something sometimes. And, um, uh, I love this movie. I was very surprised. I liked, I thought I'd like it, but I didn't know I'd like it as much as I did. This is one of the best movies of, uh, 2002, <laughs> uh, 2002. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of the best movies of last year. Uh, Absolutely loved it. It's one I'm sure I'll go back to again. Uh, I hope it gets some le- awards love and more people uh, find this movie. Uh, it's sort of an indie thing. You know, maybe like you said, it has that sort of YA appeal to it. Um, it's funny you said S.E. Hinton. Now, I'm a little bit younger than you. I don't know if I grew up on those books, those S.E. Hinton books. Uh, did you or was that you? Were I never, I never read that?
0: it. I, all right. I didn't read any of that stuff when I was a kid. Like I was ah, okay. I I think the I went directly from reading The Hardy Boys right into like Lovecraft, Robert E. Howard, and um uh Jerry R. R. Tolkien. I d I didn't read mm. any YA novels, but uh and as far as like the films based on S E Hinton's stuff, I liked uh Rumblefish I thought was really cool. Yeah, the
1: Copeland movie, right?
0: Yeah, I mean that that was it was oh. so stylish, man. Black and white. You had you know the motorcycle yeah. boy, you know Mickey Rourke was in it. Uh, Matt Dillon, you know Nicholas yeah. Cage yeah. is in that film. It, that that movie I thought was great. I, I didn't really you know get into like the Outsiders or any of that kind of stuff. Oh man, I, I love the movies. I love the books. See, I went from like,
1: Judy Blume. To like SC hitting to like Stephen King. That was sort of my progression as a as a young man. So hey, you know, maybe subconsciously I picked up on the, those YA elements too and just really didn't make that connection until you you mentioned it. But now that you say that, like I totally get that. I can see SC reading this a version of this at like however old I was, you yeah. know, 30, 40, you know <laughs> or like you know, eight, nine. <laughs> <laughs> however old I was when I read those books.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and that's not really a diss. Like I'm not trying to like, you know, sure. use that. It's just it's just a different flavor than I than I am into, you know what I mean? It's like I like I said, sure. I didn't really get into that stuff when I was a kid. Sure. I mean, you should be pointing out though this is definitely not Twilight
1: or the Hunger Games no. or anything even remotely like that. Like if this is a YA adaptation, this is leaps and bounds better than all the other ones.
0: Yeah, it's a totally like adult take on it. Like it doesn't insult you if you're 16 years old and thinking that you need to have things wrapped up in like uh like what they did with Twilight and stuff like that, you know.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really over-romanticize anything about it. It just treats everything as very matter of fact. Like this is who they are. This is where they go. You, you know what I mean? It's it's it, like uh it doesn't ask you to judge the, the characters in one way or another or, or sort of guide you of how you're supposed to feel about what they're doing. Like, there's nothing really romantic about what they're doing. It's ugly. It's grim. It's disturbing.
0: It's like, uh, I'm going to say this, if you can frame it up, maybe this way is like, uh, if you're like one of the cool kids when you're 15 or 16 years old, that, you know, you, you like are dipping into the kind of adult stuff and you're like, you know, that it's for you as opposed to twilight being for like the generic basic like people you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 totally yeah if you're like that cool like intellectual kid who's like edgy you, you'll you'll think this movie's like awesome you know yeah hey which begs the question is twilight a horror movie <laughs> I, i've never seen twilight so i mean it has vampires in it so uh yeah yeah I've seen one of them. I don't know which one, but it was – got to
1: say it was very entertaining. It was just so horrible. We were just laughing the entire time. Um, We can save that for another day, though. (laughs) 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 All right.
0: All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Take care, everyone.
2: by the rivers, through the streets, every corner Abandoned too soon set down with due care Don't walk away Inside yeah who's who dis
0: (laughs) it's a new york number so i don't know who it is no it's probably a fucking bill bill collector Collector. (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so so the um